Hi, I'm Laura Cannell and welcome to Does This Resonate, the podcast about musicians and the creative process. I'm a composer, performer and record label boss and I'm really interested in how other people work. In this series, you're invited to listen in on conversations with musicians and other creatives talking openly about performing, recording, touring and producing music. I'll be talking to guests about their own artistic processes, what inspires them, as well as any challenges they've faced in their careers. There are so many times that as an artist and as a human we long to be heard and we search for understanding in our own experiences from others. Creativity is different for everyone, but there are moments that resonate and it's really good to feel like we aren't alone. This week I'm joined by the Norfolk-based electronic music producer, composer and live performer Luke Abbott. We met in about 2004 or 5, having both studied for our Masters in Music at the University of East Anglia. We also both played in the Norwich DIY scene with lots of venues and friends in common. Let's jump straight in. My feelings have changed an awful lot about, about live music during the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, me too. Like, it's Tell the thing that's yours. probably changed the most. Well, uh, historically, it's been my main source of income. Like, yeah. without, without doing live music, I wouldn't have been able to be a... Uh, a self-employed person exactly for, the same like, for me a decade or whatever yeah. um but I mean I was I was very lucky in that I just I had just before the pandemic started I had uh picked up a bit of part-time teaching work which thankfully has been enough to pay the bills over the last kind of couple of years because I've, I've kept that going um but without that I would have I don't know what I would have done actually I would have been in the position that I suppose a lot of people in 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 like self-employed musicians have been have been in where it's been incredibly difficult and they've had to find weird other things to do but yeah. now now it's getting to the point where I've had offers coming in and stuff for, for gigs I I you know especially with Brexit and uh. you know, wars in Europe and weird things going on in the world I just don't feel like I want to travel anywhere and I feel the same really, it's really, really weird. it's so conflicting except when you start really listening to yourself it's it's not really that conflicting it makes sense to not go through all the stress and worry if you don't have to you know it's like I think we've got yeah. used to working in a certain way and really grafting and taking every opportunity and I've been getting offers too now and I think I don't know like in 2019 um, we had like a bereavement in the family and it, that it completely changed so I feel like I'm a year ahead in terms of like how the pandemic struck us as well right. because okay. I'd already kind of gone into a bit of a mental massive change like a, a big pause for re-evaluation yeah and also it just yeah. I started having massive panic attacks and things so I just couldn't actually I couldn't cope okay. I couldn't do yeah. it and well, then I didn't realize how much anxiety I had about performing all the time anyway me too I, I mean, I kind of was aware. I thought it was it. normal. Mm, it, well, I think it. Sadly, I think it kind of is. Like, I think. I mean, yeah. the, a few years ago, there was the, there was like a lot of a lot of discussion. It seemed like on Twitter, at least, about mental health in the music industry, and uh, I think that it was 
it was interesting seeing people starting to talk about that type of thing. But I, I mean, definitely in my experience, the anxiety of traveling so much and going abroad and leaving home and coming back and always being in this state of flux between being away and being home, that it really played upon me. Like it definitely, I feel I feel so much better having not really traveled for me a couple too. of years. It's it's the best I've felt as a grown up in some Me states. too! <laughs> oh my God, it's so weird. And it's like, how I defined myself and how I earned my living was entirely through performance. Yeah. And yeah. then maybe for 10 years, I did sort of one to one instrumental teaching as well. But mm -hmm. I found it so difficult to switch between going and being a performer and then teaching people because it, when you're teaching or how I found it was I was performing still. I couldn't I couldn't just be a gentle calm teacher I still felt like I was trying to give my the same amount of energy it to is teaching. giving energy isn't it yeah, yeah completely I mean, so I've, I, I found that difficult I don't know how you found it but like me as a um like as a solo performer especially most of my like I've, I've toured all over the place really but most of my touring has been like in the European club circuit and typically uh, like a weekend would be one or two gigs somewhere in Europe and mostly I mean I'd usually try and fly through Schiphol because I live in yeah I mean please so I live in Norwich. Norwich so it's really exactly convenient. exactly <laughs> but I would get on a, I would get like the two days leading up to going away I'd get increasingly anxious and then the day, the day I'd actually have to travel I'd I'd you know I'd leave my house for either that kind of half past six flight or the nine flight depending on where I was going and I, from that point onwards, I wouldn't really talk to anyone until I got picked up from an airport and you'd get dropped off at Soundcheck or a hotel. You have a short conversation with someone driving you. A complete stranger, then, random yeah. person that picks you up and you're suddenly and, on. Yeah, exactly. And then and then you go for dinner with a random promoter you may or may not have met before and have like polite conversation about, yeah. about music, which is probably the last thing you actually want to talk about when you're away doing a gig. And yeah. then you'd have this kind of intense kind of hour or longer on stage, followed by some weird social interactions with people that want to talk to you, which is fine. Like, I don't mind that bit, but it's just such a contrast. Yeah, it's extreme. The rest You've it. gone from silence yeah. to and it being in your own world. Yeah. And then you go back to the hotel. You're all by yourself. You've got to try and sleep. God knows what time you have to get up for the next flight to either another gig or going home again. And you just have this kind of it's this incredibly bizarre kind of 24 hour plus experience where you're basically in this this kind of weird solitude with all the other travelers yeah. followed by intense social activity that like I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert I don't really know how to handle that kind of stuff very well and then you're kind of dumped back into reality again when you get home and you're exhausted and yeah. then you have to try and like then you're like oh shit I better try and make some music or something because that's what I do apparently. Oh it makes me want to cry <laughs> exactly the same experience there were things like I did a gig in Bergen and then I was like oh well and then I was offered one in Holland and it was like well that's on the way home really once you're out you're out aren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like just like within 48 hours I'd been to Norway and then to Holland and then back and yeah. then I sort of got home and then I was living in Southwold and I went to buy some bread and I was just like this is I what, yeah. literally cannot I can't deal with it I don't know I, I'm not in one place and I'm not in another place but no. also performing and music is the thing I love most in the whole world and I just couldn't ever weigh up those things and it's it just really, got worse and worse to be honest 
Yeah, I, I recognize that a lot. I mean, it's really strange being torn between those two feelings of I hate doing this thing and I love doing this thing. And I want same, to be normal and have a social life so that I can see if yeah. I actually can socialize. But I still don't know if I can. <laughs> because I don't know how, because I've only ever done it through music. I just can't yeah. do it. I can talk about yeah. music and I can talk about I just literally don't know. It's like I'm I don't want to say I'm broken because it's like it's just so vastly different to most ways of living yeah and it just is very it's like you say it's like you get somewhere and then you're picked up by somebody very kind very yeah. kindly picking you up well, and they're doing uh, favor yeah. to someone else maybe and then you just feel really i don't know it's just so it's strange weird. isn't it i mean pro like the vast majority of people i've met while touring have actually been really really nice but yeah. there is there is that kind of strange thing of feeling like you're feeling like you're under examination the whole time and having to be very attentive and then the energy you give doing a performance you know yeah and you don't want to be an asshole lot. either you don't want to be an asshole and sometimes you <laughs> even are. if you're not yeah, even like, if genuinely yeah. i know you're not an asshole okay and i know i, I can think be I'm, yeah but i i get so twitched up about like yeah you know i remember arriving in manchester you know the four hour train from norwich to manchester yeah which is like two carriages it's a horrible train it's i've really done that because that goes all the way to liverpool that one yeah it, it? it's just yeah. like the smallest train in the world but yeah. it's like you don't have to get off and move all your kit around and your instruments and stuff so sometimes i've done that and then i've got there and the people are really lovely and genuinely just really amazing promoters and mm. i get there and they're like always you know a very fair enough question how was your journey and i just i feel like and i i don't say it but sometimes i felt like don't say what you think be professional oh, <laughs> be professional and don't say what you think yeah. and really i just think it was fucking hideous and i don't know why i'm doing this yeah, it's fucking hideous and it's put me in the wrong mood to play music for you. <laughs> and the wrong mood to have any small talk yeah. when you're just being really nice and you're putting yeah. me on. But you have to suck it up, don't you? I mean, that's yeah. part of, and I part think of that's the experience. What, and if you're doing a lot of that, it's like, yeah, it can yeah. just be a bit of a problem. Well, I think I think I've learned the hard way that you really just you what however things are going, like even if you're having the most horrendous time, and I have had horrendous times at gigs, you have to kind of just smile through it because yeah, totally. otherwise you just feel shit about having been a grumpy arsehole to someone, which yeah. I have been at times in the past. But it's the type of thing that it plays upon you so much. It's not worth it's not worth expressing that feeling for the for the you know for the fact that you know that your 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 brain is going to replay that moment back to you yeah several, several times a week for the rest of your life because <laughs> you have like guilt about oh, i'm glad own. i suppressed yeah. mine then <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> there was there was one one particularly kind of odd experience i had where i had i'd been booked to do a, a gig i won't say where but it was a a kind of small arts festival in 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 europe and the promoter had requested that I come out a day early in order to work with the guys doing the visuals who were preparing like they were doing it with the, I think the idea of the festival was um, uh, like they were getting visual artists and musical artists to come and collaborate on on things and I, I was I was fine with that because apart from anything else you know I I've done a lot of collaborative work with visual artists yeah uh, and it's something I'm interested in and have a lot of kind of strategies for and was kind of like, okay with it. But I went out there a day early and then didn't actually, they didn't ever introduce me to the, the, the visual artists. And I had a day 
to myself, which I didn't particularly want, where I could have been at home doing stuff useful. And then, you know, the promoters took me to a, like an evening thing where they had everyone from the festival there, but I didn't know anyone or have anyone to talk to, I made small talk with some people and just got like increasingly frustrated as I realized they'd they'd wasted a day of my time yeah. under the pretense of, of a collaboration that wasn't actually happening and then come the day of the gig they took me they well they didn't take me to soundcheck they told me where the venue was and expected me to get there myself with all my bags and I was like no you you've got to take me there I don't I mean I don't understand your directions apart from anything else yeah. I've got stuff here so they took me there for a sound check where I set my stuff up and then was asked to take it down again <laughs> for me why have I set it up and then I was left in a green room for eight hours with no food not walking distance to anywhere with food no food other than kinder bars which you know I'm not a big chocolate eater and by the time the gig came around I was so pissed off I did this gig as quickly as possible and then afterwards someone from the festival with a camera filming the thing came up to me and started interviewing me about this collaboration and I just let rip. <laughs> oh my God. There's there's no way they use that footage in their promotional video. I tell you that Jesus. much, but it was just, I mean, it felt like a horrible joke had been played on me the whole time. But I mean, if that were to happen to me now, I would be equally upset about it, but I wouldn't say anything bad because it's just not worth living with living with the feeling of having expressed your frustration yeah. to someone else I would have got home I would have told my manager about it yeah and I, would have, I would have just left it and just been like yeah okay thanks and just left it probably just politely declined to be interviewed or something but yeah yeah but you can't always you know you're already there you're already in a heightened sense of preparation because you're going to be performing in front of loads of people you're going to be in yeah. the very giving you know performing thing I had a similar thing in a festival in holland i don't know where yours was did you say holland? it wasn't in holland no i'll tell you that much i'm not saying where it was <laughs> i mean i'm not saying where mine was it definitely wasn't in holland it was a beautiful city i spent a yeah. long time wandering around the unnamed city yeah uh which may or may not have been but it was it was a lovely place <laughs> <laughs> definitely probably yeah. not <laughs> Um, no, I, said I said too much now no, oh, you, can right. bleep, you can bleep that out you can okay it. it was definitely not <laughs> yeah obviously I'm really good at editing yeah <laughs> honest <laughs> um yeah no I had one where I was just like I arrived and they were really nice and then they put me in a green room uh and it was like they had a key there was no way back in the green room if I left oh okay because it was like a locked anyway I was in there for about five hours <laughs> it was fucking it was hideous and then they were like just literally nobody talked to me I just didn't know what was going on at all and then it was like oh you're on yeah. now here's your five minute sound check and it's like no that's meant to be an hour <laughs> you know <laughs> but it's like it was absolutely hideous and I just, just didn't have anyone I just didn't have anyone to talk to or ask no it's it funny horrible though, isn't it? yeah but the worst is when I've been in like a friend of a friend of the promoter is putting me up and then I'm ending up in a fucking weird house with some man who's put a Oh. fucking blow up bed at the end of his bed <laughs> see i won't i won't do that no i won't I, do that that yeah. was a while ago and i've been extremely strict ever since it was like um they were all like confirm yes you've got proper accommodation here's the and i'm like no i need to know where it is no like no it's yeah. honestly it's so i'm just like no i have to know everything and see everything 
do you have do you work with a booking agent or manager or do you do all of that yourself i've had two different ones that i've worked with but now i do it myself because i need to make sure and i've just had a few hiccups that i couldn't cope with yeah i think it's useful to have someone else for that because if i think for that for that kind of information apart from anything else i think people are are kind of happier if that's the protocol of the booking agent yeah i mean i i do have somebody that does do the admin side yeah but i guess i like when it comes to the actual once it's gone past that point then i deal with it directly oh okay so i don't know I mean, maybe I should get someone again, but then that depends on whether we actually want to go out again. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the decision, isn't it? I mean, it was it was probably a while before the pandemic, actually, that I kind of realised the the um, the kind of impact on on my well my well being that that touring was having. That and it was, I think, it was part of the motivation for me to want to work in a band or in a, with other people, and which is kind of casually how the sun waves thing happened yeah um and actually you know touring with jack and larry is really really pleasurable we've had some fantastic time on tour partially because it's all of it's none of our main project it's everyone's side project so we basically earn absolutely nothing from sun waves because the cost of touring and the fees we get for for touring kind of cancel each other out especially when you consider we have to fly lawrence over from australia oh yeah oh my god there's no there's no potential to make money with sun waves it's such a lost project but it's such a pleasurable time i feel like i have mini breaks with two of my best friends yeah that's so good i mean that's that why makes i started really the modern ritual stuff okay. um, where everyone yeah. was performing their own thing it's like i didn't really want to start a band at that point so but i wanted to do things with people and i remember i was playing at latitude it was like that was quite an odd one because like i had a booking my booking people were in bristol so they'd got a request from london to bristol to ask if i could play at latitude which at the time was at the end of the road that i was living on <laughs> yeah it's like yeah but it's so weird because you can't get a gig there if you obviously are a local yeah but you can get one if you're somebody who because they don't know where you live and then anyway it was very odd but um I remember standing there and talking to some people and just being like I just really I feel really isolated and it was exactly this stuff it was going away being really full-on coming back and feeling like really discombobulated and like what am I doing you know I don't really know how to communicate with people or function in normal <laughs> normal land or a normal day and and then equally well, you go off and don't talk to anyone and then yeah. suddenly you're in a hotel exactly like you said where you're like you, you've either got to get up really early or you don't know where you're going so then you just lie there like this like <laughs> up soon or you put on weird telly from the, another country and you're like oh this is weird and, good, oh, I love and then it's telly. three o'clock yeah. in the morning <laughs> yeah. yeah well the good the good news is that the whole world has had uh, a, a strange experience of isolation now with a lot of um a lot of musicians were just like oh this is normal yeah I'm exactly sta- like staying at home, home okay myself. yeah <laughs> actually a break from touring is really really nice yeah and... it's like the thing that actually we couldn't do was the thing that was really stressing us out so i mean obviously like you were saying about earning money that that was a, a quite a thing but i've been doing yeah. um, i've just been doing quite a few library albums and so it just kicked oh, in yeah oh nice like yeah. that was you know i think i've done about six in the last two years so oh, that's I'm, good yeah so i feel like i'm yeah. just getting a body of work there um but it made up i've done that once i did one library record. i think you need to keep going <laughs> That's yeah, with that stuff. I've, and I've half made like two or three more, but I have uh. this real I have this real problem where 
if I make something I like, I don't want to put it on a library record. So well, yeah. I put it put it to a side, and then the library record's not very good. I just don't know how much of myself I want I to think, get away with. Exactly, this is what I've been thinking about a lot, and I think that there is a part of you that I don't know. I don't know. I think it has to be you, like the the person that I've, I think it, we might have been working with the same people. I'm not sure. I don't know because I was th- my manager would know, but I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I, I I like remaining in in uh, in states of ignorance as yes, to what, what that's what fair I do. enough, and I do it under a pseudonym for that anyway. Yeah, I do it under a pseudonym as well. <laughs> yeah. I've got a few pseudonyms actually. Some of which some of which are known, and some of which are probably not. So. Oh, I want to know them. How can you oh, say that? Absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I obviously earn them mystics. Yeah, that was. Is that a yeah. pseudonym? I guess one, so. that's one of the ones I do. Yeah, yeah I know that yeah. one, but that's public anyway. It is, yeah, and that yeah. Was just that's a kind of weird, strange project. I was, it, like, the the early mystics thing came about because of me not really knowing if the music I was making was me or not, um, and wanting to kind of not be me at the time. But I'm much more relaxed about that type of thing now like I don't I don't think that project although I did actually and I've done this a couple of times I made a whole album of Erlen Mystic stuff that got close to being released but I think uh I didn't really want to go through the like the the cycle of having to promote it and tour it and everything so it just it sat on a shelf um I've done that a few times actually you can just put stuff out I know you have to go with it that's what I've learned I know this. It's amazing. I know this. I know this. But I, I don't. I, I don't know. I've always been very cautious about putting something out that I don't want to, don't want to talk about ever. If you see what I mean. Yeah. So I, I like. There's enough music in the world without me releasing more and more unnecessary music. Like I, uh, something like twenty five thousand yeah. tracks a day get released. Yeah, but what well, you shouldn't be yeah. looking at other people. You should just be looking at what you're. You're doing yeah well that's true well that's what that's that's what i'm saying though. that's what i'm doing yeah. at, at the moment because in, yeah, in the in the kind of in in the midst of having uh i mean i've been literally trawling through old hard drives and finding unreleased material and i've found about well in excess of 100 tracks of unreleased wow. material from which i'm currently kind of sieving sieving through and, and finding bits that i like that either are starting places for me to work them up into new things or things that I can just mix and put together and I'm trying to put together a kind of a, a record of, of accidental origin if you see what I mean yeah uh, out of that and some of that stuff are, are things I've written thinking oh that will go on a library record and then deciding it's you know something I like too much or things that I was yeah. going to put out under another name which I haven't or yeah. just things I'd forgotten existed that I've made and hadn't been part of the project just because the, primarily the projects I've released like, well, but most of the records I've released actually have been quite self-contained bodies of, of work where... Yeah, I was going to ask it, you about yeah. this. Like, do you like have themes or does it all emerge and turn into something? Or do you like have an idea about what it's going to be and then make it? I mean, do you have well, like a way of... I do have, I've got a few different modes of working. Um, and I suppose, the, so the fir- my first solo record, Holcomb Jones, which wasn't actually my first solo record because I made another one that never got released before that when I was doing stuff with Outpost. Um, Outpost, sorry, Output. God, I'm... Yeah, I was like, oh, what did you do with Outpost? No, no, (laughs) I did do stuff with Outpost. Yeah, Yeah, that was, sorry, for people that don't know in the podcast. Yeah. The Outpost is an art gallery in Norwich, but um, uh, the but when I was my th- the first label I was releasing on was Output, but I kind of started getting involved with 
uh, that's Trevor Jackson's label, started getting involved with that when he was kind of coming to the end of what the label was doing. So I, I did actually prep a whole album for that label, but Trevor just wasn't going to put it out because he was at the wrong place with the label. He uh, had basically stopped it by the time I finished that. So that never saw the light of day. And then by the time I got involved with Border Community, that stuff felt old. And then the stuff I worked on for my first, what became my first proper solo album, Holcomb Drones, was all stuff that I've made in the in-between. So yeah. uh, that was the first thing. And when I made that record, that was very much a case of me sitting at home and making things in my own time. And, and it just kind of appeared from, from uh, a sense of, oh, I want to try and make this type of thing. And but, with the title though, did you already have that in your head, the Holcombness, or did that come after? Uh, the tie, my, I don't know. I okay, can't. That's I, just because you like. How it. do you, how do you name, <laughs> how do you know. name things? I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's not know. go there today. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for, since that record, almost, well, every other album I've done for sure. And most of the other music I've done has been project based. So uh, my second, what became my second album for Border Community. And there was another album I'd made in between the first and what became the second one, which also never got released um the i know you're looking at me like uh what why would you do that <laughs> well because no it, i mean i understand the honest it. I've got unreleased yeah albums, but the honest, the, the honest answer in that case is because it wasn't good enough well uh, that's fair enough yeah, good reason uh, yeah um <laughs> but i'd done i'd done this residency at wising arts center which became kind of the uh the body of work that was my second album and I, it was nice making that because i made it in isolation of of like very much in isolation of the types of gigs i was doing at that time which were like this was in the wake of uh, Modern Driveway, which had been a bit of a kind of bigger record than we expected and had got me a lot of club gigs. And I mean, you've known me for a long time. I'm not yeah. really a kind of club music person. Well, even though... I, yeah, I never quite, I understand it from listening to what you make, but not from my experience of no well <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, that's not in a rude yeah. way, obviously. It's just that you're kind of, you know, you have an idea about people that make club music are a bit kind of, uh sort of over well, no, you are excited <laughs> just a bit like pent up maybe i don't know i, I don't know uh, yeah yeah I, <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean maybe a bit more neon than think, you are yeah I th uh, possibly yeah I, I think i think typically my my taste in music isn't centered around that kind of electronic music either like it's historically speaking the thing i've been most interested in is is very much on the kind of experimental end of of, of music yeah. as as you know you will know because we both come from the same kind of scene of, of yeah i was going to say about the music. norwich scene yeah. kind of came up through the same yeah. diy but place I, but the, but from but going back to the the Wising residency kind of gave me an opportunity to work completely outside of the kind of little bit of success I was having at the time and re-examine what I was doing in such a way that it it really felt like a, a self-contained body of work that had an internal logic but completely turned its back on all the things I was frustrated with about you know trying to operate in a kind of dance music format um, which I never really did very well anyway um, like I've never made proper club music it's always been like this this is a weird version of club music or something but the <laughs> since the Wising project everything I've done has been I've gone somewhere and recorded a body of work and then yeah. taken back to the studio and tried to make sense of it so that's what the Sunwaves project is essentially yeah. like we go and improvise and then and then I go and work out where the tracks are and try and mix it 
Um, yeah. That's what my last solo record on Border Community Translate, that's what, what that was as well. Like I, Yeah, I that was 12 days, wasn't it? Of, 12 days of recording it, at, yeah. at James Holton's studio, yeah. And it was, it was just a kind of way of forcing myself into writing stuff that I then couldn't play with because the... The, the having time to mess things up afterwards thing I, is a trap I've fallen into too much. Yeah, it's really difficult yeah. because it's endless, endless possibilities. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm do I make a lot of music. I have made a lot of music that way, but most of it hasn't hasn't been hasn't seen the light of day just because it's it doesn't make sense to me. Like, yeah. there's no there's no internal logic to it it's just some more stuff I've made I've got nothing to say about it I don't think yeah. it represents my best work and I don't know I like I wonder the... though if it's to do with the sort of being very much in the moment performance thing I mean a lot of my albums have been made in yeah. churches lighthouses a yeah power station and I it's not that I, I don't consciously think I need a deadline but I basically sort of ruminate and work on things and and don't work on things and just play and play and play and then I kind of get to the point where I'm just like oh it's all awful I don't know how to yeah I don't know what I'm doing or anything and then I'm just like I'll take all my stuff and just go to a church and record it and then then I'll yeah. find something out of that and then it it feels like because you're so much more in the moment and you're being live and you're being like I don't know you're not talking about it and you're not yeah, giving yeah. yourself any time to think about it or talk yourself out of it it's like you just have to do it but that's that something i that's something i like about your approach and i think something that we have we have in common for the most part like most of most of my output has been um i the records are literal documents of activity like i love the like the idea of a record literally being a record of something yeah not just a, not just a record in the kind of lp sense of the word but yeah a record as in a document of activity and i think that's kind of what you're describing there as yeah well. i just like, realized i can't seem to work any other way i really i love i was gonna say i really hate practicing i don't, <laughs> I don't it's not it's not i think it comes from a sort of more classical thing where you're sort of going over and over and over and learning the technical thing and trying to get your fingers to move properly in the right way and i just it kills it it just kills it for me and it's like what i need to do is put all the information in then throw it completely away and yeah. then see what comes out and i kind of found that way of working by mistake because before i started doing my solo stuff I was well, you know, I was working in a duo, horses brought well, trio, duo, whatever. Yes. Um, oh, I've got something to talk to you about that. But <laughs> okay, yes, carry on. Or <laughs> go on. But um, where we meticulously deconstructed existing anonymous and traditional material and practiced it so that it was really tight. And I thought that that was stepping away from the conventions that I was already in, like with Baroque music and contemporary classical music because I felt so restricted playing other people's music. So I thought, okay, well, I'll make some of that music my music. And then I, I did it, but I did it in such a way that it was still really, really particular. And it, and it's just not me, it's not me. I need freedom and I need to be able to breathe. And I need, the best thing that I did was spend like a year and a half in the Norfolk countryside going to churches, feeling really fucking depressed and weird <laughs> and taking my fiddle and just making myself play. I just made, myself play and I hated yeah. it but then what came out of it was all of this solo stuff and I kind of always reminds me of my nana that used to live on the road you live on and she used to oh, yeah. say <laughs> she was very very narish and she yeah. said um you'll have to come to terms with it 
<laughs> so, so I had to sort of, in my head, I'm always like, you're just going to have to come to terms with what you sound like, something which isn't someone else's music or isn't a tradition. And yeah. so it's like finding that space and just coming to terms with that's what I sound like. And sometimes I'm just like, I really just don't want to sound like this. And then sometimes I'm like, this is the most purest form of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> so, I like that. I always, there's, there's, I always think that, um, I have this like analogy in my head about handwriting that has something that I've been thinking about for years where um, there's a thing where you recognize your own handwriting and there are like nuances in it that you're not in control of to do with the way you hold a pen or the shape of your hand or the angle that you hold things and things. I mean, unless you're like an expert calligrapher, which I'm not, yeah. <laughs> e even if you try and write not like you, there are still little nuances in the letter shapes that you can look at and go, oh, that's my handwriting. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like there's something in, in music where like all of the, like the multitude of decisions that have to be made in, in making music or performing music without realizing it, you're kind of imprinting like something similar to your handwriting on the music that you make so even if you try and make music that doesn't sound like you just someone else will come along and go oh yeah but it does sound like you even if you the only thing you hear are the differences like the imprint of your handwriting is still there within it so you have to kind of just just kind of learn to love it because that's that's really that's the only that's the only thing you have to offer yeah because it's the thing that no one else has <laughs> yeah completely so you have to be completely honest it's just that kind of oh I'm just gonna have to be myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's yeah. a really good thing. But it's, I think, a lot of it for me was learning to be myself on stage, not go onto a stage already knowing what I was gonna play, because there's no way you can be in the sort of giving and receiving or giving mode. Uh, you know, yeah. that's like the most important thing is to go, oh my god, listen to this, it's so exciting. And it's not about <laughs> listen to me, I'm really exciting. It's just like, oh, I came up with this and it's and it does this and oh, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. that kind of just being in the room at the same time rather than being very formal. And and it's like I wish that I could feel that free, or I could have felt that free in sort of more baroque recitals, but I always felt like I could never hear or find myself in it and I never knew if I was doing it right even though I did loads of classical recorder and harpsichord or recorder and orchestra yeah. things it just never it was not me I just couldn't even though I love the music I just couldn't do it yeah well because you didn't have the freedom within it yeah yeah I just yeah. couldn't understand how you could be a musician and not have any freedom and it's, it's strange isn't it yeah I mean I've, I've not but done I think a... there is freedom apparently but I can't find it what, free, free, like uh, expressive interpretation yeah but oh, yeah. it's so like within a note yeah I just yeah. can't anyway sorry <laughs> no I, I mean I'm, I feel the same I mean I feel the same way strangely uh, about electronic music even though it's not really about score it's so it, I mean the, the the blueprint of what electronic music is for most people is is such a it's such a kind of conservative structure uh, and the supposed rules of how the music works and stuff like they're, they're really they're really boring and it's utterly fascinating to me how so many people can be happy to listen to music where they basically know what's going to happen before they've started the piece of music if you see what I mean well, yeah. like, it, it's really strange and I've always been like frustrated by that and and searching for ways ways to try and make electronic music a more improvisational performable thing 
but at the same time not make it so improvisational that it falls into the kind of fans of Derek Bailey category where it's you know there's a always going to be you know a small niche audience for that type of thing I'm in that audience like I love I love free improv like I I, it's kind of the first live music I ever really fell in love with really (laughs) you you don't like free improv so much (laughs) no I do I've done quite a lot of it yeah there are things that I love but there are also things that I just can't stand and yeah that's like that's that's true of anything though. <laughs> yeah yeah it is but I, I just what can't you stand about it go on this is this is interesting oh I don't know I think it just so depends on the person and on the, the people performing in a way it's stripping away personality and and being very you know obviously very in the moment and yeah. not obviously it's not about melody in the conventional sense or rhythm in the conventional you know and some things can be utterly utterly beautiful but I've just been to so many gigs where I just can't latch on I I just don't I I don't know what their intention is and it's like well there's a way of doing free improvisation which sounds like free improvisation and actually when as soon as you can recognize that in it that stuff doesn't work at all. Exactly. Uh, but that's the same problem I have with electronic music in that as yeah. soon as you can kind of recognise what's expected, then there's a kind of conservative approach to how it's done. Yeah. And it's it's so strange to kind of recognise that in something like free improv, which on the surface of it pretends to be super avant-garde kind of without rules but actually yeah, exactly. when you've been to enough free improv gigs most of it is re- like the same fucking shit again, well, exactly it's going... just when it starts sounding the same I'm just like oh just can't yeah. I don't care you're not doing or making me feel anything you're not fe- you don't look like you're feeling anything no. there's nothing I just don't I don't know I don't know even when you get more extreme things like really really long drones <laughs> you know I'm much more interested in the minutiae of like an oscillating you know mm. ancient organ like Ellen Arkbrow's stuff her organ and brass oh, yeah. yeah you know I really love it or Sarah Devachi you know just really long or, and slow or aerial karma or something like that oh, I don't know I'm gonna write that down dur- anything durational kind of gets yeah going. durational yeah. which I didn't used to think I like but I think it's because it puts me into a completely different zone. And I also think that if you're listening to loads of music all the time, mm. it gets harder and harder to find things that completely speak to you. Do you listen to loads of music? No, all the time? do you? I mean, I go through phases of of listening to things. I mean, it totally depends on what I'm working on at, yeah. that, at that time. Um, so if I'm trying to write, I'll listen to less music than I would usually, just because... I'm very wary of having someone else's music in my head when I'm trying to make my own. So yeah. it's kind of, you go through a phase of stripping out the music. And in that case, usually the only thing I'll listen to is probably Terry Riley or something. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I find I can listen to Terry Riley and it's just like washing my brain or something. Yeah, it's just um, that low level triggering where you've got loads of room to do something, but it's not silent. Or... Exactly, yeah. yeah. But then like recently, I've just finished mixing a new album for uh, Gold Panda and like during the process of mixing that record I've got like a few things I'm listening to quite a lot because there's something about that record that I want to try and work out in the record that we're working on so there's a there's a kind of reciprocal aesthetic sensibility in there so listening becomes 
uh, research in a way yeah. or, or ear training maybe exactly I think that's yeah. what happens to me but also like recently somebody asked so I've got an album out this week and I just did an interview for Songlines. They do like a quick fire, you know, Songlines magazine. Yeah. And they do a quick fire interview and they were like, what are you listening to at the moment? And I, just, <laughs> I hate that was question. Like, oh. yeah. Well, and then I was really, I told my sister and she said I was mad because I said, well, I've got my kitchen door open. I'm listening to loads of really noisy birds. I mean, I am. I was a bit yeah. literal about it, but I've I just, done that before. I'm just like, <laughs> I've had I'm that question. Listening to the washing machine. What do you mean? What yeah. am I listening to? <laughs> I've had that question, and I've had I've done exactly the same asshole answer that you've done. There. I just don't know. Yeah, what do you like, mean? Well, right now I can hear I can hear a car going past. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it though. It's like the whole album is about the fact that I listened to all the birds because it was so silent in like lockdowns and everything. Um, mm the birds are really loud and then I just was like oh okay I'll just transcribe them and turn them into an album I mean it wasn't yeah. like that simply thought but it just got in so much yeah. um this is but, the this uh, yeah. is the record the record that's all recorded you sent me the other day yes yeah, yeah. it's I've only listened to half of it but I loved it I thought oh, it was okay. really really nice yeah Good, I've got to listen you. to the rest of it when I find well, it's because I was thinking about playing on the organ that I told you about the church organ yes yeah. and I was like I could maybe I'll go and do that and then I started doing some improvisations and did some recording and stuff and I really loved it and then I was like organ pipes are just big recorders which obviously I've thought a lot in my yeah. life <laughs> being yeah. a recorder organs player. are organs are also additive synthesizers though oh well. yeah. oh my god it's like the best thing ever isn't it so recorders and synthesizers <laughs> oh my god have you created a sample instrument where you times or uh, slow down the recorder sounds to match the size of pipes so that you can play the recorder like a pipe organ? <laughs> no! Can we do that? Yeah, that should I be just, theoretically I'm really possible. bad at things like you say. I just get it really, I get really stressed out. And with I things, tried, with le things with you know, like sample <laughs> instruments, electronics. Okay, Electronic. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I really want to be able to do it. And I've been doing more stuff with keyboard showing here. And yes, I can see doing more electronic stuff for the um, with the library music. I've been like really learning and exploring and and doing stuff. But I just keep going back to my instrument and going, "Oh, you're my friend." And it's like there, I've got so many ideas about processes that I, and yeah. processing that I want to do with those instruments. Yeah, but I can't. Find and I time. always think I can. Or, no, it's not the time. It's just my brain doesn't. doesn't I just get compute. really grumpy. Yeah, I just I find it hard. <laughs> I find it hard to stick with the enthusiasm for one idea long enough to actually complete it. So I have like several long term ongoing projects to do with various specific ideas to do with writing strategy or performance strategy, which just take a really, really long long time and may never be completed but the work of doing them somehow informs everything else I feel like yeah. I don't know if that's maybe I'm just being overly optimistic about that but I no, do feel like I think like... that's true though I do I mean I do love I've got a weird project a private project yeah <laughs> which I will <laughs> should, do to should we talk should we talk about it <laughs> I'm not podcast? sure <laughs> it's appropriate <laughs> but I'm going to tell you anyway just don't okay. tell anyone um it's a bit weird, but I collected together loads of sort of Bulgarian and um, Eastern European and Norwegian and Danish traditional tunes, and I got a bass drum, and I <laughs> taught myself to play the bass drum because uh, they're all like, um, uh, you know, different sort of 
rhythmically very interesting you know like 5 8 7 8 13 15 17 yeah. so i was like bringing out the sort of highlight notes on the bass drum and so i thought i mean i don't want to be a one woman band because you know that's a bit too cringe but that's something i keep coming back to so yeah. like I'll be working on something completely and utterly different, or I'll be working on, I'll play some like Baroque, um, Baroque violin, like Heinrich Bieber, um, sort of things over a ground bass. Not like in a really sort of purist way, but just, you know, all of it feeding in. And, and I keep thinking, I could perform this, should I? And then I'm like, no, <laughs> but it all feeds in, it all feeds in. So I think that these things take a really long time. And like, I've been, you know, I studied the recorder as my undergrad and a postgrad. That was like my main instrument. And I've never made a recorder album. This is like 20 years later. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I'm pleased you have. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Uh, I like the idea of you playing a bass drum. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> really nice yeah maybe i should do bass drum and bass recorder <gasps> bass oh drum God. and bass recorder going through yes. an electro harmonics delay <laughs> yes please. oh my god i can do a delay pedal i can just about yeah. cope with that in Good. terms yeah. of technicalness but um i wanted to ask you about <laughs> something i haven't actually asked you a single thing up here because we, okay let's it do doesn't questions matter. Shall I, do you want some questions yeah why not let's some of them it. you've already answered okay but one of them was a compliment rather than a question. Oh, let's start with that one. <laughs> yeah, would you like that one first? <laughs> um, I really loved the Kagan sound. Is it Kagan sound? Kagan Your sound, track. yeah. And the video. Yeah. Oh, driving through you. London. Yeah, it was. Uh, so um, Kagan sound is a name I've stolen from a man whose name is Kagan sound. Uh, and he, he makes puzzle boxes so kind of boxes that don't open until you've you know found the right bit that slides in the right way and they're beautiful and intricate uh and i i literally just stole his name i did email him and say i stole your name <laughs> and I, I sent him a record and he was very pleased oh that's good nice yeah. about it but, um yeah but i think he he's he actually changed his surname to sound from something else oh he, wow he elected to be called that but i thought it's just a it's a brilliant name and uh, he makes wonderful things. So first of all, check him out because his boxes are great. So the Translate album, uh, I recorded it in, in 12 days worth of recording sessions across three months of, of recording at James Holden's studio down in London. And we fi I finished it in like the November before the pandemic hit or something. So the album got delayed a bit by the pandemic because we didn't know what was going on and the touring for that record never happened you know mixed blessing um but i it kind of it was one of those projects that got really heavily affected by the pandemic but that video for kagan sounds was shot basically just before everything closed down i think it was i can't was it march the, or, yeah, yeah. yeah we shot it in the february so it's like a little document of the before times or something there's quite a lot of visual aesthetics around that whole record that I managed to kind of get into the videos that I made and uh, the artwork that happened for it. Um, there's this kind of uh, idea of uh, runes is quite present in the record and this idea of like psychedelic geometric landscape yeah. being a thing that's present in the record as well. Um, for various different reasons I won't go into but the video we I just I bought one of those stabilization grips uh for your phone and 
we just drove around London in James's car at night. We were driving back from South London to West London where he lives because we've been for a, a meeting with uh, some people. And we just, we shot loads of stuff. It happened to be raining. Just kept on hitting the phone because I was kind of hanging out the window with it. And that rain hitting the, the lens kind of created all these amazing psychedelic colours. And then to kind of stop it looking like phone footage, um, I got my friend Dan to bounce it down onto VHS tape for me. So we recorded it back off VHS tape and it gave it this kind of weird uh, kind of uh, 80s horror movie feel. And I put these, these letters on it that we put through the same process, these kind of rune letters that spell out my name. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Like this idea of a message without there really being one. But it really felt like that. It it felt like it wasn't just like, you, you weren't just like hanging out of the car door. It felt very cinematic, like really Thanks. big. Yeah. It's amazing, I think, that you can, you know, for the cost of like uh, a little stabilization gimbal that was like 70 quid and a phone you've already got in your pocket yeah. and soft software that's already on your computer, like anyone can make a video now it's really like it's amazing it I did a video for uh, another track called um, Earthship where I just I learned how to use this motion graphics software and just piled on loads of effects and made it do some funny psychedelic shapes and lines and I just oh this is it looks beautiful yeah. and it's just again just through experimentation and not really knowing how to do something because I'm not really although I mean Technically, I went to art school. I've got to degree in fine art, but I don't really know anything about filmmaking or motion graphics or anything like that. Yeah, but, but you, you know, you just you can make learn it enough up and to learn make it. something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think the thing, the thing that, uh, and I say this to my students all the time, like the thing that you can't give someone that makes any kind of creative practice a lot better is this sense of aesthetics, knowing what the feeling is that you're trying to capture, and just having that in your mind while you're playing with something is enough to get you there a lot yeah. of the time so I, you can apply that idea to basically making anything and in that case I just applied it to pretending I was a video maker you know it worked exactly yeah but I really loved it also in that one uh the driving through London where you just sort of went to you at the end did you go to you at the end yeah yeah, so yeah. Some, I, I kept on having to press record on the camera <laughs> And at one point I accidentally pressed the flip camera. Yeah, and you were like, thing. Oh. yeah. <laughs> I did used to live in London, but like when I was there, I wasn't doing gigs like at all really, apart from ones that I could walk to or get the tube to. And yeah. over the last 10 or 15 years, you know, having those late night drives after oh, a gig it. or yeah. in a taxi or whatever through London and it's like a bit weird. And it just really felt post gig to me as well. It, yeah, well, it's the feeling. It the feeling it had for me was one of like huge nostalgia because I'm I'm from London originally. I lived in London until I was about seven or eight, and until a few years ago, I still had family in London. And some of my earliest memories are driving back from like family Christmases, you know, where it's dark outside and rainy, and just looking out the window and feeling that difference of going from London and driving up into Norfolk. And I just I really I really love cars at night and rain so it was really fortunate that it rained that night yeah. because that was the only opportunity i know it would have been an entirely different thing i mean it wouldn't have worked <laughs> no it wouldn't it would just be oh that was another traffic yeah. like oh Pro what are these have, people doing would have, would have dumped it if that hadn't happened <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's the thing it's like being spontaneous in and improvising in in life and art <laughs> which is really <laughs> important isn't it the best bits of creative practice you can't 
prepare for and you can't plan for because they are the they are the kind of gifts that the activity gives you along the way aren't they exactly yeah you just don't know and that's why you have to kind of be open to it all yeah. the time yeah it's also it's also like when when you come to that realization it's also the thing that that stops you from really taking compliments as well because you're very aware of the fact <laughs> that the best bits of your work you had no control they over. were no not your idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah all, all you can do is create the preconditions for those things to happen what do you do though when someone says something nice to you <laughs> i just just say, you thanks, say thanks. thanks yeah say thanks thanks <laughs> thanks very much yeah yeah it's very yeah. awkward yeah. i'm gonna it's ask nice. you another question Are you ready? would you like to describe your current studio space or setup do you have one or do you work oh, in lots of different places so yeah so like i like i said before most of my um well all of my recording projects since about 2014 have happened where i've done recording sessions in other studios and then brought the stems back to where i am with the exception of film score work and remixes and library music where, which i have done kind of methodically in my own setup um i do have a studio space uh external from my house but so uh, when the pandemic hit uh i just started working from home a lot more and started bringing bringing back bits of studio equipment and now all of my favorite studio bits bar one or two things which are either too large or I just don't have space for here uh, I've moved all of my studio stuff back home and I've currently got a kind of bedroom studio setup similar to what I had when I was 20 years old so I've kind of gone full circle with my studio stuff and this is partially because my garage studio is really cold in the winter and I don't you know I don't like that but it's also just because I think that one of the reasons all of my recording projects have happened in other studios is actually I've worked out for writing things for myself I need to be in a domestic environment I think the the times when I have an idea or get to do something like the act of going to the studio or organizing my time enough to get there is going to kill that idea oh god I completely I've, agree yeah totally so I've had two or three different studios yeah the last one I had I gave I had just before the pandemic so about November 2019 and my friend and I got a studio in Bungie and I would just go there and sit in my room and be like well fuck this is not yeah. doesn't work I actually wrote one piece there because I made my and it was a commission so I had to I had it was, to do yeah, it exactly it was a commission <laughs> so the the only kind of music i managed to do in in my other studio space is basically something where i had a brief where it's so, like a job yeah it's a job of some kind it's, it's like or, i need to bobble you know. in and out I, I can't it's like i need to catch it unawares music yeah. and bobble yeah. in and out make a cup of tea bobble in and out go for a walk come back catch it. it like currently i'm trying to learn how to write again you know for myself um without that time restraint of having going going to another studio and i found that the, the the most productive thing i can do is tell myself that i'm going to do nothing but tidy the house up and the washing up and and vacuum the, yes. the house and then and then <laughs> through procrastination being a <laughs> driving force then i actually do something really interesting and i'm like oh wow oh no i sod the washing up I'm gonna, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna do the music <laughs> you kind of it's like this weird dance isn't it and I always thought I was quite because I'm quite I am like a motivated person you know like yeah. I've got loads of ideas but I can't always do it and weirdly when I do sit down and start then I can't stop but it's just that kind of getting in or I don't know it's like I have to sort of 
edge edge around it. So the last couple of days, I've just been putting up soundproofing in my shed, which you can maybe see behind Are me. We, is this the shed you're in right now? Yes. Is this a shed? It's a pretty good shed. Thanks. I like it. It's not that big, but it's. I've managed to get a little sofa bed. Yeah, that's and, nice. Um, there's a lot of birds outside, and I'm just going to do the ceiling. I'm just waiting for the soundproofing things to expand. Because it only arrived yesterday. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah. Is this, is this going to be a writing space and a recording space? Yeah, or? it is. So I've got big duvets that come down over the windows. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> this is it. But because I can't do it anywhere else. I just can't do it. And I've tried so hard. But packing your stuff up. I mean, I need to have stuff out. But like packing your stuff up and going somewhere and then going, right, now do the stuff yeah make some yeah. music i just find it impossible it's like i just how much i want to see other people or go for a cup of tea or be near humans mm. which obviously is not that much but <laughs> sometimes <laughs> i like the idea of it a lot and i like the idea of having a studio in a place a lot but the reality is i need to be on my own and i need yeah. to just shut it yeah. down you know purely i think purely for purely for kind of uh productivity it's it's unhelpful for me to to try and have a studio at this point because i just know that i work better from home so you i just have to don't need it yeah so your house i mean andre and i well, you don't had to it. just make our house we just decided a long time ago i think that yeah you know just work all over the house you're but you're lucky you're lucky that you have sympathetic practice i have a partner who does yeah. similar so he's currently yeah. i can see him in the house he's got headphones on he's doing some sampling and something or other yeah then i won't go in that room <laughs> he, won't, <laughs> he won't come in this room like it's brilliant so we do see each other we cross paths yeah but we both yeah. work from home and sometimes he'll be upstairs we've got the weirdest house where upstairs it's like a hobbit house and you can barely stand up right so that's a bit that's partly why I got a shed because it's really only a downstairs house yeah <laughs> it's a bit weird but um I just like we we're like oh hi <laughs> and then but yeah I mean it is really good that we both understand that you know we, we need to be left alone yeah yeah it's a it's a real thing uh it doesn't always work in relationships to be a creative no. person no no but it doesn't also it doesn't always work to have two creative people in a relationship either like sometimes creative practices can be really incompatible as God, i found yeah. out totally yeah. have you found that out i've found that out yeah <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know i don't know it's yeah that's a whole nother complicated thing isn't it yeah that's um, a different podcast as well <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> well that, that you totally answered my do you have any specific work rituals and rituals Rituals is a really interesting idea, uh, or sorry, a really good word to kind of talk about. I mean, though, because I'm just gonna open my fizzy water. Hold on. Yeah, go for it. Oh, I did it. It's flat. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> an anticlimax. It was. Um, so this I I, I like the idea of I like the idea of observing rituals, not not in the way of kind of artificially creating one but just noticing the rituals that pre-exist and being aware of them as an important part of the process. But I also really, I, I feel really strongly about this idea of pilgrimage, which is one of the reasons I've always, or for, for a long time now, gone to other studios in order to work. The, the kind of sense of taking yourself somewhere 
prepares you for the activity and puts you in a mindset that it's very difficult to get into if you're in the same space you're in where you know where you do your tax return or you yes. answer emails and things like that it's very difficult to arrive into that space and say to yourself but today I'm going to have a good idea I'm going to be creative in some way yeah. so like pilgrimage maybe is more relevant than that's a great word for it though so because obviously the same as, as ritual it always gets associated with religious and sacred yes, ideas yeah, rather yeah. than just people yeah the reason i have that word in my head though is because of the uh, i don't know if you know rupert sheldrake but he he has a he's a uh, kind of scientist and author and he wrote a book called uh, science and spiritual practices where he examines kind of the 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 value of spiritual practice uh, spiritual practices such as ritual and pilgrimage um as being things which are just uh pragmatically useful for a person to take part in yeah uh, he's an, he's inter he's a really interesting guy in lots of other ways he is a practicing christian but i think he's a He's a, he's a Christian because it's the geographically correct religion for him to be, you know, right. and he's, he's kind of like a, he's a, he's a spiritualist really in a lot of ways, but he's also a scientist. So he's got this kind of odd, interesting perspective on these things, but he's the, he, like that book is the one that kind of really kind of clarified to me the, like the, the importance of pilgrimage as part of what I've done a lot of the time, like going to James's studio doing my last record the act of going down there allowed me to be in this concentrated state where I really only needed 12 days worth of activity to make an album if I spent yeah. 12 days of activity you know in my other studio in Norwich here it's quite likely I'd come out with absolutely nothing releasable you know so there's something that happens when you put yourself in that kind of time critical concentrated environment uh, and to prepare yourself for it, the act of taking yourself there and yeah. arriving is really, it's a really important part of that process, I think. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's just something other, isn't it? It's not, it's not about time. It's a bit like when you do, I don't know, when you're working from home and you do a podcast or something like <laughs> that, and, or, you know, like I've definitely found where I'm the guest, where yeah. I'm, I'm, it's like suddenly I'm I'm like anxious or in a performing mode I'm like oh my god I'm suddenly performing I've got the same feelings about or doing you know like a video for a festival or something um you're in that sort of mode that you only normally get when you're out I made a video recently for um a German festival so that mm. the festival is live and half of the performers are on video and half of them are in okay the, in this massive church yeah. place and um I was so nervous. I actually took myself next door to the to the church yeah. because I thought I need an actual performance space. There's just me in it, but I I can't stand in my shed and do no. that. I can't give. But your like part of your practice is acoustic acoustic environment, isn't it? Like yeah, it's it's something that like with like a lot of kind of baroque classical music part of the instrument is the fact that you have to do it in a small echoey place yeah you know, exactly like, it's like chamber music and yeah. it does well the recorder album that i've just made is all made in my kitchen nice um, yeah. and with some delay and a bit of reverb which i've never done really i mean I've, it really works though it adds a lot yeah well that's the thing it's like I've been I've given myself such narrow parameters in a lot mm. of ways because I really like after 10 years of doing sort of the sort of folk early classically whatever that was um I I really needed to know what I could do on my own without anything or anyone else I really 
it's like what can I do that really feels like I'm really able to express everything with the limitations of two recorders or overbowed fiddle and that's yeah. where all that kind of stuff came from it's like pushing it to the limits but now I feel like there's this whole sort of idea of like seven year cycles isn't there in in magic and stuff like that and seven seven's an important number to numerologists very important yeah. Yeah. um so <laughs> i've always um, been a, i've always been a big fan of the number five personally but seven's, five. A, seven's okay yeah five's a good one yeah five is top seven okay seven's okay yeah <laughs> i don't even know what number i'm on but anyway i felt like Oh, hang on a minute. This is number seven. This is my seventh solo album. That's why I was thinking about it. You're so it. productive. That's really good. Well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I just don't know what else to do. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? We well, should do what I do and make a lot more than you actually put out. That well, way, I do. <laughs> you could be on your seventh, but just actually it's your third. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, along with the library stuff, that's definitely doubling, tripling and... Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how I'd count it at this point because the number of it's just kind of... keep making stuff. I think once you realise yeah. that you can just keep making stuff and that you haven't made an album and then that's that. Oh God, what am I going to do now? It's just like if you can't keep going, then you're a bit screwed. Then stop. Aren't you? Then stop. <laughs> no, but you know if it's... that should be that should be a motivational poster. <laughs> if you like, can't if keep it... going, stop. <laughs> And always do better things. Yeah. <laughs> Just make it better all the time. <laughs> yeah. Make, have you thought about doing it well? Question mark. Have you thought about just writing good music? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh no, it's getting a bit too close to home now. <laughs> but uh, yes, anyway. But yes, spaces. That was another thing I was going to ask you about actually is, do you have any like favourite spaces or acoustics or buildings that make your ears sing um, I've got a kind of list of real world sounds in my head that I particularly love. Um, one of my favourite sounds is, you know, the um, there's the part the pathway in Norwich that goes along the river from uh, the cathedral up through town. Yeah. Uh, with the one with Cow Tower on it. Yeah. The bit near the Gerald's building uh, is kind of covered in gravel. And if you kick some of the gravel, there's nothing, there's like no edge. There's just a, a kind of a, a chain roped barrier to the river. You yeah. can kick, kick some of the gravel into the river and the river's always, you know, really calm. It makes this lovely sound of multiple stones falling into the water, like lots of little plops in a little cluster yeah. like that. And it's lovely. It's really, oh, like, wow. it, it's a really beautiful noise. Um, I'm also like perpetually fascinated by rain as a noise because it's, it kind of represents, if you like, the limitations of what it's possible to do with synthesis and, uh, and speakers and recording, right. um, because rain is actually too complex a sound to capture and reproduce, possibly. Although maybe this isn't maybe this isn't true if you're using ambisonic recording or binaural recording. Maybe that's more accurate. I don't really have a lot of experience with that type of thing, but the the sound of rain, if you record it with microphones in stereo coming out of speakers, is entirely different from the sound of rain in the real world. Yeah. Because, because the sound of rain in the real world is a combination of thousands and thousands of tiny noises happening in this kind of very beautifully random way all around you. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we're really good at, one of the things our hearing is incredible at as, as humans 
you know, the, the evolutionarily we've had to evolve to be really good at spatial awareness through sound. So the, the, the sensation of listening to rain in the real world, it's just, it's, it's something that is entirely different to record the recorded sound of rain. Yeah. Speakers can't reproduce that sense of rain in the same way. So it has like a, like the difference between real world rain sound and speaker world rain sound is like, it, it really kind of, um, it highlights the, the artificiality of what speaker sound is like compared yeah. to real, to compared to real world sound. Yeah. And it's also really, really, really difficult to synthesize rain sound because it's full of micro variants and nuance on a massive scale yeah and in order to kind of create that you'd need to have a really hyper complicated system which simultaneously had like proper 3d placement with yeah that's what i'm just thinking now yeah. about like the, the way that you could the only way you could mic up rain properly is like you know those um sonar panel fields where they like instead of animals they have loads of panels do you know what i mean no, I don't know what you mean. What are you talking about? The, uh, is it? <laughs> you know, like in fields. In fields. In yeah. in the countryside. In, 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 in a field. Yeah. <laughs> We've gone off on one. Oh, solar panels. Yeah, solar panels oh, that are all like yeah, laid sorry. down. On, yeah. Of course, I know what solar panels are. I was like, what? <laughs> We're talking Did I about say do else. Norfolk for you? No, no. I just I thought I solar panels. Head, I was thinking. What are they used for record? How do you use those in record? No, but then I was thinking the only way you could really do it is you'd need like a huge massive chamber where there were microphones like every inch and sides and round and everything because this i totally agree with you i often record rain and i'm extremely disappointed by the outcome yeah it's it's really i actually weird. do yeah yeah i do as well i've got i've got a, I've i'm got like a... this is amazing and i go and it's like it just highlights these really big drops yeah. or depending on what it's landing on you know yeah it's I but mean, you're not it's, getting it, the whole wash and the, it's like the sea you're not getting everything i think you can't like the the technical restrictions are that you you cannot really recreate the sensation of listening to rain with a recording at all there's loads of things where you really like speakers do an incredible job of recreating instruments and voices yeah. and you can really give a really incredible sound of something happening in a space as well like uh, reverbs either recorded ones or, or synthetic ones they do an, an incredible job of spatialization you know in terms of a single point source sound in a space but the complexity of of those sounds being incredibly quiet and all around you just doesn't work I'm banging on about the same thing again. Yeah, that's okay. Myself. I'll ask you a yeah. different question quickly and then we can I'll let yeah. you escape from it. Um, oh, I was wondering if you have any, this might be too private, but it might not, if you have any sort of mantras or sayings of encouragement that you tell yourself or that you share with other people. I think you said something about what you tell your students, but. Uh, I probably have a lot. They're personal. I think, well, I don't think they're personal, no. I don't really have any. Uh, I don't have like a, a a tantric mantra or anything like that where you you kind of meditate on a phrase. Yeah. But I do have like bits of advice in my head that I tell myself from time to time. My favorite one actually comes from. Did you ever see that film called Dig? Uh, it was it was made by the Dandy Warhols about the band Brian Jonestown massacre. No. It was it was a it was a pretty good documentary actually where they compared the. Um, 
well, they were kind of examining the career paths of the, their respective bands, the Dandy Warhols being very successful and the Brian Chainstown Massacre kind of being self-destructive and them having started from the same group of people in the same place uh, and everybody was, I mean, even in the documentary, it's kind of made by the Dandy Warhols and they fully acknowledge that Brian Chainstown Massacre are a much better band than they, they are in their own words. Like, I'm not making a value judgment there. but Yeah. Um, but in that, the Bandy Warhols on camera kind of described their attitudes towards gigging. Uh, and their rule was, if it's good, then it's good. If it's bad, then it's funny. And like, it, it's oh, like, that's, that, that's like, in a way, the best, the, that's like the encapsulation of what we were talking about earlier, where, you know, if you're on tour, things are not always going to go well. You're not always going to enjoy the gig, like the number of gigs you have to do as a, as a touring musician. Some of them are going to be horrible. But you just have to remind yourself when it doesn't go well, it's funny. It's funny. You know, yeah. it's funny. And when it's good, it's good. So you can enjoy that. That's so brilliant. That, that's a really good. That's a really good kind of piece of advice. I that think. reminds me, I was chatting to our mutual friend, Mr. Jim Dunn. Oh uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yesterday or the day before. In and Milano. He, yeah. And uh, he said, I said that you were my victim. <laughs> Not a victim, <laughs> but you know. Um, and he said because he was talking about how he's feeling about music at the minute and he's kind of coming mm. out of a period of you know stuff and uh and he said like he finished off one of his sentences with it's just stupid music isn't it it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just silly old music and I thought yeah <laughs> but it is but obviously it means a lot more than that to him and to us and to most people but I just thought it was nice that he was I don't know yeah it can be very controlling and yeah. all-consuming and it can make you totally feel like it just you know it, yeah. it can make you feel like you don't know what you're doing with your life or your brain or anything yeah I wait absolutely it can I think anything anything where you're um emotionally involved with it I mean the, I suppose I, I, it would be a whole nother it would be a whole nother <laughs> podcast to to really just... psychoanalyze our friend Jim but, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to go down that route out of respect to Jim but um but I think I think I think the thing he's getting out there uh is is something that anyone any kind of uh any musician but also any kind of creative professional deals with uh, as part of of making that thing that they love doing into a into a job or making that thing that they love doing into something that they force themselves to take seriously, I suppose, yeah. is the kind of piece of that. Taking something seriously that you enjoy very quickly becomes paradoxical, where you love what you do, but you have to you have to hate it at times because you have to acknowledge when it's not going well. And it, yeah. it just the kind of emotional and psychological entanglement with that type of thing, especially with something like music, which for whatever reason is so entangled with a sense of identity you know not maybe the way that the world sees you but more more so the way you see yourself like I, yeah. I always feel like my feelings about music are, are so introspective and they really have to do with how I feel about myself um in a way that's in, almost impossible to explain but I'm sure you inherently understand what I'm talking yeah, about, yeah. about there I, yeah it's weird but I, I feel like under examination the whole thing that you just you do occasionally step back from it and go it's not life or death it's just music and that's I kind found of a... that quite hard I mean I was really? <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, no it's not you don't it's hard to not be constantly self-aware of everything or aware of 
I think I think that's because, <laughs> I think that's because we're afforded great great periods of time with which to be introspective, though, yeah. Which is which is a luxury ultimately because yeah. most most people's jobs don't allow them the 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 freedom to to do that. Like my partner Victoria is a medical professional, and that helps me keep in perspective what I'm doing in, in quite a healthy way. Because yeah. No one's going to die if I fuck up at work. You yeah. Know? someone might die if she fucks up at work like and that kind of pressure yeah is, that's um, really like that's re- that's real stress like my stress is kind of stupid at the end of the day like yeah I, well i guess that's the thing yeah. really and it is yeah i do yeah. feel like that too yeah it, it the the perspective you you have on it is 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 kind of but i totally understand the being so involved in what you're making that it almost like it has this kind of feedback mechanism on how you're feeling and you have there is a kind of weight of emotional responsibility you feel towards the work that I think is just I mean the positive thing about that is I think it's it, it kind of shows you that you take it seriously and it also shows you that it really genuinely means something and if it can mean something to you it can mean something to other people exactly like, I've been doing this long enough now that I've forgotten what it is to be a music fan who doesn't know how to what like the the mechanics of what music is yeah which I kind of is quite sad because I think it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing to listen to music as a young person without the knowledge of what's going on there, without the critical ear of somebody that's heard a million records or made a ton of records, and it becomes harder and harder to find enjoyment in uh, in listening to music that other people have made because you you end up with this kind of uh, backlog of 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 information that presents itself when you do so, which yeah. is why like if I'm but at the same time, my, I'm so I'm so used to listening and so used to paying attention to listening. I'm as happy to listen to the birds outside, as you were saying, as yeah. I am to music. And it sounds really pretentious, but it's it's still potentially if you if you kind of author it as such for yourself, it's still a musical experience to hear the sounds of nature. Totally. And in a way, this is kind of the point that John Cage got to with you know his kind of Zen Buddhist approach to composition, where he was trying to write himself more and more out of the equation and to the point at which you know by the end of his life he just said I don't need to make music the, the sound of the world is already good enough and like that in a way is the ultimate statement you can make as a composer yeah. you know so I I'm, yeah it's that it's that whatever that was I just described <laughs> that was brilliant very well yeah. described <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you want to tell us what you're doing right now? Um, yeah, so I've, ju- I've just finished, as in we got it mastered just a couple of weeks ago, um, a record I was working on with uh, d- uh, my friend Derwin, who releases under the name Gold Panda. It's the third record I've mixed for him, I think. Two, two of them are Gold Panda albums. One was a project called Selling with jazz from Simeon Oval Disco. But I've been working with Derwin on things for a long time. We're good friends and I like mixing his music and we're, we both kind of, we have a nice working relationship and it's really it's a really fun thing when he's got a record ready for me to to work on uh and it tends to take priority over whatever else i'm doing uh and it took probably took us about eight months or something to, wow. to f- take the record from his demos to a finished record because it was he was still writing it as i was as i was working on it but that's a hugely satisfying process and i'm like so happy with the record with uh, he's ended up with I've got to stop I've got to stop referring to it as if it's in any way mine it's his work <laughs> um but I feel I feel really emotionally connected with his work because I have this kind of intimate involvement with with it like basically the 
the, the the sound of it at the end is 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 where I'm working on it. But it's the best record he's done, I think. Like it's a it's a really amazing record, and I'm I'm so happy with how it's come out, and I'm really happy for him as well. You know, that yeah. it's, you know but that <laughs> now that that's out the way, the things on my kind of to do list that have come back to me are me making another record, which is a kind of constant state of negotiation. But I've actually I've got a folder with twelve tracks in it, which aren't, aren't necessarily finished, but I think make sense together um i'm also working on a software thing that i'm doing so i in my activities as a electronic musician but also a kind of improviser in the sunwaves trio uh i've over the years of my career been developing various different performance strategies and bits of software to help me kind of realize those that allow me more real-time control over aspects of like generative note composition type stuff but in a performable way that allows me to play like with Jack playing the saxophone and me doing the synthesizer but without me having to play a keyboard or something because I still need my hands free for lots of other things so I, I, I mean this was also the study of my master's degree it was kind of primarily looking at uh, improvisation and generative music and the kind of links yeah I was I wondered what thing. you did I mean I know we were yeah. at the same place yeah <laughs> yeah it doesn't mean what? you know what was going what on what are you doing I was playing the recorder we should all sit we should all sat in on each other's vivas I think but mine was more a study on um yeah study, uh, looking at generative music and generative music techniques and improvisation in like group improvisation and all the kind of limits of those two things compared to each other if you see what I mean but it's become an obsession like it's become an obsession that I'm still kind of working on today but what I'm doing at the moment is trying to trying to kind of consolidate a lot of the tiny kind of software tricks I've found over the years into a single piece of software that is like a generative music platform if that makes sense that operates in a in a kind of a, a, a kind of musically intelligent way and is capable of of all kinds of different types of activity but at the same time not restricted to any of them if that makes sense yeah um and it's going well it's take it's it's you know it spits out things that sound like music like really convincing <laughs> sound like music yeah i'm really i'm really just like the the kind of data handling and infrastructure of how it understands notes and how those kind of ideas are, are dealt with um is like the the data structure's there it's just how you interact with it is the thing that i'm stuck on at the moment and kind of right. trying to learn lots of things at the moment i've i'm kind of uh, I'm using the uh, I'm using Ableton Live and doing it in Max for Live at the moment in order that I can kind of use the bits of Live that I don't really want to have to reprogram myself for things like timing and synchronization and their groove pool system, which is really powerful. Like, so I can utilize all of those things, but integrate my software into it in a way that's, that's super performable. Ultimately, with the aspiration to create a system where I can set up at a gig and make electronic music in real time without any kind of pre-composed idea other than I'm going to start in this scale and that's Ooh, that's yeah. kind of where I'm at with it wow um, which I'm kind of it's kind of what I've been doing with Sunways for a long time although the starting point 
with that has been I have this chord structure we're going to improvise around yeah. and that's kind of the thing that starts it off but I want to be able to start without even that like take it back a step and just be like it's like the idea of oh I want to be able to do it in the same way that I can sit down at a piano and just go and you can just move start around. here and move yeah. around but I want to I want the computer to be able to do it based upon instructions so that my hands are free to kind of manipulate the the sounds in mm. the way that I like to with electronic that sound. sounds amazing it might sound amazing it sounds <laughs> it, it sounds, sounds like it will theory. sound amazing yeah, it sounds amazing in theory <laughs> i'm really wary of the fact that it might end up being quite underwhelming music and i've spent a lot of time and energy developing a system that on paper reads really well but in real life maybe doesn't come out with very much so let's see how it turns out let's okay i'll i'll wait and see yeah let's wait <laughs> before but, i judge no <laughs> <laughs> no but that sounds amazing yeah. like a really big project yeah, it's a it's 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 a it's a big enough project to, to keep me occupied in in, in my downtime. Also, uh, working on some kind of commissioned composition stuff for a film, which I shouldn't talk about at risk of jinxing it. But if okay. it happens, touch wood. It, touch wood. I'd, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the first time I've been attached to a film project that hasn't completed. Yeah, I think that's just yeah. what happens. Sadly, that's happened to me, and I yeah. did something really that they loved and it helped them get a big lump of funding and then no no that's then a, that's the made, worst they yeah. made a thing i and the people specifically the funders specifically said because of the music and then they went with someone else oh that sucks so, it, yeah, yeah that was just bad that's that's bad unprofessional yeah, that well, is pretty unprofessional that was just a bit shit yeah. anyway it's so hard get, it's hard getting a film made though i think know. it is I've, yeah. I've i think i've done I've also done i don't know if i have the patience personally have you done it have you done it i've only done before? short ones and then like that sort of thing where it's like the beginning yeah and... i've done i've done a few shorts and two full-length films but the the experience of doing it is so different each time i this yeah. i mean because i've no interest in being a kind of commercial composer for hire who does anything that someone else wants exactly (laughs) (laughs) i'm only interested in projects where i have like a genuine kind of uh dialogue with a director yeah yeah where you can uh actually kind of develop an idea together and and come out with something that's that's unlike another film score but works for that project which has been you know it has worked the first the first film I did called The Goob, that was very much the case. That was the Norfolk. Was that based in That was the Norfolk-based one, yeah. Which yeah. is how, how I got the gig, essentially. The, the director actually lives on the next street from me. Oh, wow. Um, and he, but he'd, he'd read something about me in The Guardian and said, oh, he's a guy from Norfolk. And I like, <laughs> and I like his like, record. Like, can you, can you do it? Yeah, we went for a drink down at the workshop. Oh, and wow. <laughs> like, can you make a film score? And I was like, I don't see why not. How do we do it? I think but, so. <laughs> exactly. But and then and then I did another one basically for, for a friend of mine who talked me into it. Um, but I'm very, very short space of time, like a film score that I made in about five days, but it somehow worked. And then this new one, there's a long lead in for it, but they're in casting. And I, I I've been attached to other films that have been got to the point of casting and then never happened because that bit seems to be one of the places don't know how people do it it feels like you know if you if you're making music obviously you can take a long time and you can develop and all this stuff before you get to the point of maybe recording or something but with films they're such enormous machines oh my god i mean how do you still love it how you know i just can't even you know 
you've got to be a certain type of person i think to sort of yeah. to drag a film from the point of idea to realization like yeah it's a real, not it's just a real like the slog. music side the whole yeah yeah, or, the, yeah i don't know That's but amazing. i really i've really got my fingers crossed for this one because i've got a really really good relationship with the director and i think the film could potentially be you know a really good one so i hope yeah. that happens yeah but but at the, at the same time i'm really excited about that but before that came along i kind of said to myself i absolutely never want to do another film project because <laughs> <laughs> you have yeah. to do case by case basis for yeah, everything exactly. that's yeah, what i've exactly. realized exactly but i do actually really want to do this one so yeah of course you do other than that i'm not those are the things i'm doing uh, at the moment um a bit of mix work as well for things i'm always doing a bit of mixing for people um because i really like that as an activity but yeah those are my things that i'm Brilliant. doing projects projects, projects. yes projects oh the other thing i should say i was doing is um i've been working with a speaker company called dnb audio technic who make big speaker systems for live venues and i've been learning how to mix in surround sound on their Ooh. um on their on their it's called the soundscape system and i did actually the only performance i've done since the pandemic was uh, at a venue of theirs down in stroud um where they have their sound system kind of installed there for part of a, a small festival called immersive fields which is like a festival oh, yeah. of surround sound it's really good it's like it's so much fun lovely venue the people are all really nice and it's been really fun kind of working out how to do live music in surround sound so i've i've done that as well and i'm hoping that that is something i get to do again but it really depends on the people organizing it organizing more events because it's obviously hugely technical they have to import a whole sound system which is at great expense to them as a way of kind of making it happen so it's not like a usual gig where the pa system's already there yeah so like the artist is the, the sound system <laughs> yeah or like the thing you know like the, the venue's doing a sound system gig and then they've got a bunch of people that can do things on it albums that have been mixed on it which are um uh, which you can then go and hear in surround sound in a venue without the artist even having to be there and wow. stuff. But it's yeah, it's a really it's a it's a really good experience. That sounds so sound. cool. But that's been that's been a really fun kind of project to to get on with as well. So yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> that was brilliant. Um, yeah, and that's exactly what I wanted. Things that just went wherever they wanted to go, like our music does. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Does This Resonate? See you next time to unearth some more questions and see where the conversation takes us. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Do We Resonate?